You're listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray the message will encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now, let's tune in. Yeah, man, I'm excited to teach today. Today, I'm going to come to you about another parable where Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven. And specifically, I'm going to be in Matthew. Let me fix my notes here. Chapter 25. Still learning to preach from a uh, iPad. Verse 14 through 30. Matthew chapter 25, verse 13 through 40. And today we're going to take a look at a parable known as the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. Um, In studying this this week, well, I had a couple of just, I mean, just mind-shifting. This this whole study of of these parables and the kingdom of heaven has completely shifted my thinking. But you know, that's the power of the word. That when you read it and you apply it, it changes your thinking. When it changes your thinking, it changes the way you act. And when it changes the way you act, it changes the way you're perceived. When people perceive you differently... They look to you for different things. And when they perceive you as a believer, when they perceive you as a place that they can go to in a time of trouble, when they perceive you as a person that carries hope, you really can be that harbor like like Troy was talking about earlier, that you can be a place that when all hell's breaking loose in their life, you can be that little slice of peace and they know where to go to. And that's my prayer for all of us is that we become these, uh, these beacons of hope and light all over our community, so that way when people are going through trouble, and make no mistake, they will go through trouble. When they do, they'll know where to look. They'll look for us as the emissaries of heaven. Our our representation is not of earth, but it's of heaven. We've been talking about that for the past four weeks, that we don't represent earth. The, The scripture makes it clear. We are not of this earth. We are heaven bound. Heaven is our home. Uh, The scripture goes as far as to say we are aliens here, right? We're just passing through but we should represent the characteristics and the dynamics of our home, which is in heaven. And today we're gonna talk about some of those goals. Today we're gonna talk about some of those dynamics, some of those characteristics. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. Give me a big amen when you're there. Amen. Amen. Let's read here, starting in verse 14. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far off country who called his own servants and delivered his own goods to them. Stop right there. In this parable, the man traveling represents God. You and I represent the servants. Now, here's what's interesting. It says that he is traveling a long ways away and indicating that he will be separated uh, from us, but he is leaving gifts that will continue to multiply, or at least they should. And it says here that he called his own servants. This parable does not apply to non-believers. So if you are here and you're not a Christian today, this does not apply to you. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, we can fix that today as well. Amen, church. Because I believe what we're going to see every time we go to the scripture is we are going to see a loving and benevolent father. And I believe that today's scripture is no different 
that when we take a look at it, you're gonna see that God cares about you. And if you're not a believer, don't leave here today without the understanding that you are loved well by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen, church. So it says that he called his own servants, that's us, the believers, and delivered his goods to them. His goods, not our goods to us. He gave us his goods. Do you know how the best way you can tell what yours is? What were you born with? And what will you take with you when you die? How many of you were born with a lot of money? Nope. How many of you are going to take all your money with you? How many of you have a, uh, I don't know, a hobby of dirt bikes? If you were born with that dirt bike, raise your hand. You're going to take it with you when you die. You're just going to ramp on into heaven. <laughs> right? Well, of course not. Of course not. That'd be silly to make that assumption. The truth is, is that everything we have, including the air in our lungs, is a gift from God. Did you know that the next second on your watch is a gift? And that when we talk about stewardship today, we've got to talk about stewardship uh, much bigger than most people talk about stewardship. Most people talk about stewardship, and the first place their mind goes is what? Can I tell you, well, that's not incorrect. It's enormously incomplete that we have to look at stewardship non-anemically. We have to look at it in every area and aspect of our life. What has God entrusted to us? Therefore, what are we required to steward correctly? And I will tell you, even your oxygen and your lungs, you've got to steward correctly. I wish somebody would remind me of that in five o'clock traffic every week. I just, sometimes I, ooh, I get frustrated. Can anybody relate to that in the Crestview traffic? Let the church say amen. Oh, Jesus, help us. All good things, all things in our life that are beneficial come from the Father. Reminds me of a story. Uh, Nora, our five-year-old, she was uh, three, almost about to turn four. And uh, we'd pick her up from preschool. And uh, on certain days, she'd say, Dad, is Mom in the car? And I would say, no, it's just me. She'd go, yes. <laughs> now, listen, it's not because she don't like her mama. It's just she knows Dad's a pushover right? And so our five-year-old, she would say, she'd say, dad, I think it's been a hard day and I need a milkshake. <laughs> I'd say, it's been hard, huh? Preschool's rough. It's rough. It's rough. I know. I get it. And so she would, she would tell the teacher all day long, my dad's taking me for milkshake. My dad's taking me for milkshake. Long before she ever swindled me into taking her for milkshake. So her teacher then would add to the stress and she would say, yeah, dad, she's been talking about that milkshake all day. So I said, well, I guess we're going to get a milkshake then. So we'd go to Chick-fil-A's where she likes her milkshakes. Come on, Chick-fil-A's just good. You know, it's just good. Well, uh, we pull up to Chick-fil-A, and we, we're, we're about to go through the drive-thru, and she'd say, Dad, what if I spill my milkshake in your truck? Shouldn't we go inside? <laughs> All right, we can go inside, but we got to hurry, right? Well, Dad, while you're ordering, can I go play in the playground? No, no. <laughs> You will stay right here, right? And so she's about to order, and I said, what kind of milkshake do you want? She goes, you know, Dad, Mom's right. I'm not sure I should have the sugar before I have something good to eat. <laughs> I'm telling you, she's sharp. She's sharp. She's sharp. And I said, okay, what do you want? She goes, maybe I should start with some French fries. I said, okay, I'll get you some French fries. What kind of milkshake do you want? Chocolate. I said, okay, I got you. So I order her French fries and a chocolate shake. How many know that's just a deadly combination? Come on. 
Well, so we go sit down. I just had lunch a few hours earlier, so I wasn't going to eat anything. And I'm sitting there in front of her, and something begins to happen. Uh, I'm watching these waffle fries glisten in the light, (laughs) and it looks like there's just enough salt on them to be dangerous. And she's dipping them in the chocolate shake. Come on, somebody. If you ain't done that, you ain't lived right. And so she, <laughs> she's eating it, and she's just staring at me like, you know you wish you had this, right? And so I just nonchalantly reached over, and I was going to grab a fry, and she just raked them close to herself. She was like, sorry, Dad, these are my fries. And I said, what? I bought those fries. Those are my fries. I paid for those fries. She goes, no, they're my fries. And I said, sweetheart, I said, here's a teaching moment for you. Don't you think I could go get you more French fries? And she goes, sure. And I said, don't you think I could buy enough French fries to bury you in if I wanted to? And she goes, yes. And I said, don't you think you should share? She goes, if you can buy those fries, won't you go buy them? I said, heifer, listen here. Now you're acting like your mama. We're about to have some drama up here now. (laughs) But I had a teaching moment with her. I told her, I said, you know what? I said, I love you. And that's the reason why you have those fries. And I said, here's what I'm going to do. I said, if you'll give daddy one fry, if you're still hungry when you're done with those fries, I'll go buy you two boxes of French fries. How's that sound? And so she gave me a French fry and I ate it. Of course, she ate like one or two more fries. She was done. The way I said, you want some more French fries? She goes, no, dad, I'm full. I'm, I'm done. I said, you know what? I said, I want to show you something. Because you were willing to give me what I asked for. You're willing to share what I originally gave you in the first place. I want you to know tomorrow I'm going to bring you back and get you a milkshake and french fries again. And her face just lit up. And the reason I wanted to show her that at three and four is because I still run into people at 40 and 50 who don't understand that their father has given them what they have in the first place. And that when he asks for something from them, all they're doing is withholding something from a God that could double what they have in the first place. You have to understand your source. This whole thing about kingdom is understanding supply and demand. Your supply does not come from earth. You are not bound by the recession in America. We operate according to a different economy. Come on, man. I wasn't going to preach on that, but I can, I can go a few minutes on it. But it says he delivered his goods to them. Let's keep going because I want to get this to you. It says, and to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and yet to a third he gave one talent. To each according to his own ability. Oh, hang on, there's, there's a key thought there. There's a key thought. So to one person he gave five, to another servant he gave two, and to the third servant he gave one, each according to their own ability. Oh man, I just had a sermon just pop up my brain right there. Why is it so dangerous to compare what other people have? It's so dangerous because you don't know their level of stewardship. You don't know the price they paid to get to those five talents. But we over here with one counting somebody's five talking about God don't love me. He didn't give me five talents. No, the one with five started with one and worked his way up to where God could entrust him based on his ability. Can I tell you something? 
This is, a, this is just a mind-bending concept, but I pray you get it today. I pray you get this. One of the biggest things that came out of me studying this week is this, is that stewardship is only managing what God has entrusted to us, but it's also this. It's also this, that we have to be so careful about stewardship as a people because if I get my focus off of what God has entrusted to me, then I will begin to have heart problems and bitterness in an area of my life that God meant to bless me. And we've got people walking around bitter because they're struggling with the fact that they don't have what somebody else has. And can I tell you, comparison kills, baby. It kills. It kills relationships. It kills hope. It kills your peace. Look at what God gave you and begin to focus on that. Can I just give you another paradigm, just a, just a, a, a shifting of thought that God gave me this week? God does not give you what you ask for. He gives you what you can manage. Dad gum, that's good. Hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on. I'm gonna say it again because I just felt that go skip across some heads here. God does not give you what you ask for. He gives you what you can manage. When I was like 16 years old, I used to pray, God, let me hit the lottery. Please, God, let me hit the lottery. I'm going to buy these dirt bikes. I'm going to build a ramp and jump over a pond on my dirt bike. Man, I was all about this metal militia, man. I just wanted to ramp dirt bikes on everything. Can I tell you, I probably would have killed myself if I won a million dollars. I thank God I didn't have a million dollars when I was 16 years old because I'd have been foolish with it. But can I tell you, it goes even a step further than that. Why would God give me more of something that I'm already mismanaging? Dad gummit, that's good. Hang on, no, you got to get this. Listen. We want deeper relationships, but we're not stewarding the ones God's already sent to us. Come on, now, hang on, y'all. Let's, let's get more shallow than that. We want a new car, but when's the last time you vacuumed the one you got? Mm. I'm saying that because my truck is filthy. How about this? God, I'm believing for a new home. But yet the apartment you're in is in shambles. God does not give us what we ask for. He gives us what we can manage. Why would he give you something that would just completely shut you down? He's a father that wants to bless you. He don't want to overwhelm you. If you can't keep a two-bedroom house clean, how are you going to keep an eight-bedroom house clean? However, you go and begin to manage well what God's entrusted to you. Let me go a step further. I wasn't even going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about it though. How did God tell me? Well, pray, pray my numbers hit. If I win this lottery, I'm going I'm to build us a church building. 
I said, do me a favor, just tithe on what you got now. What about money makes you think it's going to change your heart? If you ain't tithing on what you're making now, don't, 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 don't sell me this bill of goods that your heart's going to shift when you make more. Now you'll give more. No, baby, it's a percentage. It's the thing of the heart. It's an obedience thing. If you ain't obedience in the small things. Don't, don't play with me. I know better. And especially don't play with God because he knows better. People walk around here wondering why they ain't blessed. Can I tell you something? Start being a steward of what God gave you right now. Steward it now. Steward the relationships. I'm going to tell you, man, I read the connect cards every week, man. I personally pray over every connect card. And I sit here and I see the relational problems. I see the hurt in people's lives. And I'm just like, Lord, give them the wisdom to steward those relationships because I know what happens is what happens is we have a bad relationship and it causes bitterness and that bitterness closes us off and then we're closed off. So when God wants to bring someone into our life to bless us, now we're closed off. All because we didn't steward ourselves originally the right way. Man, wasn't gonna go there, but I'm glad I did. Let's keep going. It says, and likewise, uh, hang on, hang on, let me, let me go back to where I was. Uh, then... He who had received five talents. A talent was a, uh, is, is kind of up for debate depending on who you talk to. It could be anywhere from 1,000 to 30,000. Uh, I had most of the things I studied said it's around 5,000 current U.S. It says, then he who had received five talents, about 25 grand, uh, went and traded them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid. Whose money? Lord Jesus. Went and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, it says the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Can I tell you, we're all going to have to give an account. We're all going to have to give an account. So he who had received five talents came. He brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. He says, because you were diligent in the small things, you'll begin to function in the larger things. Can I tell you, if I could just sum up my entire message in one just microcosm, it would be this. Be faithful where you are. God does not promote off of anything else except your capacity to manage. Get that today. God brings increase based on your ability and your capacity to manage it and to steward it well. This is why I, don't, I, I sometimes don't understand when people read the scriptures and, and, and I talked about finances, I guess it's eight or nine weeks ago. And I got an email from a lady. So it seemed like every time I come to church, all you're talking about is money. Say, so well, you don't come that often then. 
But I, I didn't reply that way. You know, I got the fruit of the Spirit. I got the fruit of the Spirit. Got a little self-control. Got an email from another guy. Why is it all church ever talks about the money? Imagine if today me and you sat down and I said, you ain't going to believe Chick-fil-A. You ain't going to believe Chick-fil-A. I went in there to talk about chicken and they charged me money to try the chicken. They just down and dirty is what they are. That's all they think about money. Okay? How about this? Went into Walmart. Oh, don't even get me started with Walmart. I had a whole bunch of stuff that I needed. And I'm about to walk out with it. Somebody said, hey, buddy, you owe some money for that stuff. Can you imagine a world where money is a necessary thing? That's what I wanted to put back in the email. That's what I wanted to put back in the email, but I didn't. Why do I tell you those things? Can I tell you money is a necessary topic? Because if it's part of your life, it's part of your stewardship. And if it's something that God has entrusted to you, you will be held responsible for how you manage it. I don't care whose church name you put on the check. Can I tell you, Lord, please slow me down, slow me down. Hope City is God's church. He will make the bills, not me. I don't worry about the bills. Matter of fact, I don't know what you give and what you don't give. We structured the church that the pastors don't know who gives to, to what. Here's another thing. If you don't trust it, stop giving. Guess what'll happen? We're still gonna love you. Guess what'll happen? You're still gonna get a birthday card. Guess what'll happen? You're still gonna get a phone call when you're sick. Guess what'll happen? You're still gonna get a visit in the hospital. Guess what'll happen? Because we don't know. This is not me asking you for money. This is me telling you that God is looking for obedience in his people. And that if he can't trust you with something that you can't take with you, it's nothing. It's, it's, it's a vapor. Is it necessary? Sure, it's necessary. But can I tell you, money has no place in heaven except to pave streets. It's just a byproduct. It's nothing. I want you to get this because so many people get hung up on finances. They never truly function in the obedience of their finances. They'll give you their time. Oh, they'll bring their need. But when it comes time to obey, in one of the simplest areas to obey, they'll neglect obedience. And I don't understand it. I don't get it. And here's the truth. If you don't understand the principle of obedience in every aspect of your life, you won't reap a harvest from obedience out of any area of your life. Because obedience is obedience is obedience. It's just being obedient. Can I tell you this? God desires obedience from every aspect of your life. He wants to know that he can trust you. Today, he may ask you for your time Tomorrow, he may ask you to relocate your family to go be a blessing to another community. Don't tell me it won't happen because I'm proof it'll happen. When you're obedient, man, God can use you. And you're like, can you imagine playing checkers and you move a checker and it moves itself back? 
It's a funny thought, ain't it? A lot of believers are that way. Use me, Lord. Need you to go to Crestview. Mm-mm. I'm going to tell you, I was that way for about two weeks. Need you to go to Crestview. Mm-mm. Then I got up here and I saw the beauty of what God wanted to do. I said, Lord, forgive me for ever dragging my feet. And then I prayed that he doesn't hold me accountable for the people I missed during my disobedience. God's looking for an obedient people. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I make you ruler over many things. He said the same thing to the guy with two talents. The Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained you two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. What is that all about, enter into the joy? Can I tell you, there is a joy that comes out of walking by faith and obedience. It is just a beautiful life. I tell my kids all the time, I got some smart kids. My kids are smart, like they're mama level smart. Crazy smart. And I tell them, I say, you can do anything you want to do in this world, but just make sure you're following God. Just make sure you're following God. Why? Because it's an adventure. Every day is an adventure. It's wonderful. You wake up and you don't know what, when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you don't have a clue what you'll go through. But you don't know the miracles you'll see. Live a spirit-led life. Enjoy the joy of the Lord being led through obedience. It says, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. Boy, at least he was honest. I was scared. I was scared that I couldn't compete. See, I saw these guys out here with five talents, man. They were ripping and roaring. I saw a dude over here with two, man. He was killing it, but I just didn't think I was the right person for the job. This is a lie of the wicked one, that you are not the person to finish the job God put in your life. This wickedness, that later on comes out about this one who had one talent, he buried it. Do you know what his wickedness was? It wasn't that he didn't perform financially. It's that he didn't operate in faith. This past week, I'm telling you, man, this is studying the scriptures. Everything I tell you, I want you to go challenge in God's word, including what I'm about to tell you. Need while it's something we deal with here on earth, does not exist in heaven. Now follow me for a second. Need does not exist in heaven. Why would heaven create a mechanism to respond to something that does not exist? You and I have been sold a lie that heaven responds to our need not true. Heaven responds to your faith. Heaven responds to your faith. If heaven responded to need, there would be no need. 
Think about that. Because if need triggered the goodness of God, then there would be no need on earth. Heaven is not triggered by need. It's triggered by faith. I know this is a deep thought. I know this challenges maybe what you've heard before, but I, I'm going to tell you, I, you can go and please put the, put the hours in I've put in, put, put the time in. I beg you, try to prove me wrong. Because everything I found, can we just show it to you? There was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. She had a need for 12 years. And one day she was fed up with the need. And something inside of her pet triggered something besides need. Triggered something called faith. And she looks and there's a throng of people, a crowd of people. She's sick and she's tired and she's anemic. Her body's frail. 12 years she had gone without clean blood and now here she is trying to fight through a crowd and she can't get there. But faith arises within her and she knows that while her need exists, something has shifted in her from a need-based approach to a faith-based approach. I have to approach the master today. That's my miracle over there. So she gets on her hands and knees and begins to crawl through a crowd, probably trampling her the whole way. And she gets just close enough and Jesus is moving through and she reaches and all of a sudden, mm, time stops. Let me show it to you in the scripture. The Bible says Jesus was surrounded by people, surrounded on every side. And he stopped to the disciples. He said, who touched me? They probably thought he'd lost his mind. Jesus, you've been shoulder to shoulder people for the last two hours. What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touched you. He goes, no, somebody with faith touched me. Everybody's been bumping into me, had needs all dadgum day. But now somebody with faith touched me. Who was it? And he looks down and he sees a hand coming from amongst the feet. And he moves the crowd back and here's this woman feeling health for the first time in more than a decade, laying with her hand on the hem of his garment, just giving him praise internally, knowing that her faith had made her whole. And Jesus looks down and says, daughter. Come on. Come on now. Relationship. Come on. Come he on. says what? Daughter, Jesus. your faith has yes. made you whole, not your need. Yes. I'm, I could preach church. I'm going to tell you, I could cut loose. Let me give you another one. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me give you another one. We don't just use one example because we take that out of context. Blind Bartimaeus. Been blind his whole life. Just, just. You give me some alms. Man, I can't work. I'm struggling. I'm full of need my whole life. I can't work. Can you help me out? No, that's, that's okay, man. I'll catch you later. I just, I just, I just, somebody. And then one day, he stretches out his hand. He grabs somebody, and they're moving fast. And he says, where are you going? They said, Jesus is in town. So he begins to make his way. 
in the direction, feeling the shoulders of the crowd, and he makes his way through because something inside of him said, what I've been doing to receive what I need has not been working. So now I'm with the crowd, I'm running. I can't see what they see, but I feel what they feel. Something's drawing me toward this person. His faith was building in him. When he approached Jesus, Jesus told him the same thing he told the woman with the issue of blood. He didn't say you've been needy all your life. Receive your miracle. Never mentioned his need. Your faith has made you whole. Heaven is not moved by your need. Heaven is moved by your faith. And the quicker we realize that as a body of believers, the quicker we will get, begin to experience God's goodness in the land of the living. Can I tell you, he understands your need, yes. But in heaven, it would be like, it would be like me creating. When we were in Africa, they were telling me how the hippopotamus would attack their children. And we create an apparatus to protect from hippos and then we put it in Crestview. We'd say, this apparatus protects our kids from hippos. I got a lot of hippos in Crestview, do you? <laughs> no. Then why did you create an apparatus? Well, because where I came from is serious. Why would heaven create an apparatus for need? Need does not exist where the king is. You see, this whole thing is about obedience. Why? Because he's trying to position you where he is. He's trying to move you. And without obedience, he cannot move you. Without your trust, he cannot position you to make a difference. And we wonder why. Why is it God won't use me? Can I tell you, it's not because he doesn't want to. You see, he has a plan and a mission for your life. But if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of every area of your life, that's an area of your life the devil can put hooks in you and restrain you when God's trying to pull you forward. Paul said it like this. He said, I throw off every encumbrance, everything that would hold me back, anything Anything I used to struggle with, I just I get rid of it. Why? Because I'm moving forward toward a prize. The prize of the high calling. Church, I want to just tell you this. This parable of the talents comes down to one thing. God desires a church that he can move, not just move you physically, not just move you emotionally, not just move you spiritually, but that he can move through you as well. And if you lack the faith to be obedient, you will miss opportunities to be used by the king. I'll tell you, man, your faith has a lot to do with how God can use you. You see, faith and obedience are, they run together. Faith and obedience are like cousins. They run around together. You know why I obey? Because I trust him. 
But what is trust? Faith. God told us to move to Crestview. I hesitated, but I came. You know why? Because I trust him. I trust him. And you know what? Worst case, even if nothing ever happened, I just would have been me and him. I still would have come. You know why? Because where he is, that is my blessing. That is my blessing. So here's my challenge for you today. I'm going to wrap this thing up. What area of your life are you afraid? What aspect, what avenue, what arena of your world have you been afraid to let go and give to God? Maybe it's your marriage and you're afraid that if you yield it to the scripture that maybe you'll maybe not have the traction or the, maybe you won't have the joy or maybe you won't have the peace. Can I tell you, whatever you give to God, it multiplies and it increases. Trust him with everything. Maybe it has been your finances. Maybe you say, Pastor, I just, I, 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 I've just never been able to do it. I've never made enough money. Can I tell you this? Start paying tithes. Watch what will happen. Just bring it to God. Just bring it to God. Bring your first fruit, man. Bring it to God. Watch what he'll do. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's you haven't trusted him with your gifts. Maybe you haven't trusted him with your abilities. And he's calling you into a new thing. And you're hesitating because that old thing has served to pay your bills. But this new thing is an adventure that there's no guarantee. Can I tell you, yield to him yet. Trust him still. Because when you trust him, your faith is activated. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. But man, the just shall live by faith. Come on, somebody. It means your very existence will begin to be supplied because you have faith in the one who is the source of all things. Maybe you're here and you haven't had the faith to yield your life to him yet. Oh, we can fix that. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that you're saved. So I don't know where you're at on the spectrum. You may be here and you say, Josh, I'm a hundred percenter. I'm sold out. I'm all about that. I'm bowdy bowdy. Well, good. I'll tell you, when you really sell out, when you really sell out, that's when you become dangerous to the devil. That's when you become dangerous to the devil. Because when God says, hey, go knock on that door, and you don't even think, go knock on that door. Boy, you're dangerous to the devil. Because now you're just a, a person walking through this life, blind to your own desires, just listening to the word of the Father. Lord, how can you use me today? How can you use me today? That is a dangerous, dangerous person to the kingdom of darkness. And at the end of the day, our number one goal is not to put more money in the bank. Our number, number one goal is not to make more people like us. Our number one goal is to populate heaven and plunder hell. Amen. Stand up on your feet. I want to bless you today. Master called the guy who buried, <laughs> who buried his talent, called him evil.
pretty low down. Evil. You know why I called him evil? Because he belittled what the master entrusted to him. He belittled what the master entrusted to him. That's not enough. Can I tell you that you are more than enough? I just want to encourage you with that today. You have a gift. The Bible says that all men have been given gifts. God has called you according to his purpose. God has a plan for your life. He has an operation and a function that only you can do. And the minute you yield to him, he will begin to use you in such a unique and mighty way. But it's on you to yield to him. So I'll say, just like the master said to the servants, well done. Keep yielding. And the areas that you're not yielding, just make some changes. Just, just make some, some micro adjustments. You're going to be okay. At the end of the day, God gave you the talent you're, that, that you've been given based on your ability. He specified what you're good at based on you. You're in the predicament you're in right now because you're just the person to win. You believe that today? I know I do because I see it in the word. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for your holy scripture. Man, we thank you for just the revelation that we get from your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for showing us stewardship, for just giving us the wisdom, Lord, to manage what you've entrusted to us. Father, I pray that each person here would begin to petition heaven based on faith, not need. We'll begin to go after what your word says they can go after. That they'd stand on the word of God more than they even stand on what they need. Father, I thank you that we will not make light of what you've given us. We will not belittle what you've entrusted to us. We'll put it into action, whether it's our finances, whether it's our gifts, whether it's our, uh, our relationships, Father, whether it's our health, whatever it is, we will give all things to you. You can trust us. Lord, I thank you that as we go, we just carry more of your wisdom and understanding with us. Thank you that today, Lord, you have rightly divided your word in our heart. Help us to hide it in our hearts that we won't sin against you. Bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Whatever we lay our hand to, Lord, I know you'll bless it and you'll multiply it. Bring us back next week with more of your word and more of your wisdom. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. For more information about Hope City Community Church, visit www.hopecitycc.com. Until next time.